At this time, I have the honor of introducing our guest speaker. He hails all the way from the edge of Tiverton. My wife and I, my, my family, has had the privilege of having Donnie and Debbie being our neighbors for... Long time. Yeah, yeah, 15, 15 years, I guess, or, or, or more than that, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, Donnie, if you want to come forward and share what the Lord has laid in your heart. Thank you, Jamie, for that very uh, warm welcome. Jamie didn't mention, but I, I'm, I'm from Tiverton, but I'm from the Tiverton Baptist Church. So I'm going to try to make each of you a little bit Baptist this morning. So you, <laughs> I, won't con- I won't convert you totally, because I, I love this church too. But um, at our church, we have this thing of saying amen. When, when you hear something from up here that you agree with, it's very encouraging to me if you would just say amen. And you don't have to say it quietly under your breath. You can say it out loud, and it would be good. And that would really encourage me and make me feel very much at home here. This morning, I'm also a little bit sad that the kids went away because quite often I feel like a child and that might come out this morning, too. I don't know. I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to share from God's word this morning. Um, just a few things. And I, I got to really tell you, it's not a surprise that Brian phoned me up and, and asked me to speak because for a long time now, your church, you people have been very helpful to our church. We don't have the numbers at this time that you do, and you've been very good to uh, take us alongside and invite us in in ministry opportunities. And it's been a, a huge blessing to not only me, but the, the people of our church. So I want to thank you for that. It's just wonderful the way God recently, it seems, has, I, I don't know if you'd call it moving people around or situations, but the area churches have got a real desire to work together now. Uh, not only the ministers, but the churches as well. And different denominations that normally would just pass on the street. We're talking and we're working and we're doing things. And that's a movement of God, and I can see it. So I'm very thankful for that as well. But I should tell you, I'm a little bit nervous this morning. I'm kind of almost vibrating up here. I've only had two coffees. But um, <laughs> I'm a little nervous because my son Andrew has spoke here a few times. And I didn't even get in the door this morning. The first thing I hear is from our our good welcomer, that's a great ministry, is, uh, are you good a speaker as Andrew? (laughs) Uh, What do you do do with that? So so I'm a little nervous about that, but uh, you just be the judge this morning. I just want to, I'm just here to bring God the glory. But I got to tell you too, uh, as good a speaker as Andrew is, I feel that I've failed him as a father a few times. Uh, the other week he told me he bought a caulking gun. He, he's the academic one, and you probably learned that if you heard him talk, but, uh, and I'm more the hands-on, but he bought a caulking gun, and there was no instruction, so he had to ask the guy at the hardware store how to use it. So I really failed as a father. I don't know where I went wrong. <laughs> he was never very uh, handy in that way, but uh, very good at reading and education and that type of thing. So, um, but I got to tell you, I was never more proud than the day he told me He was going to be a minister of God's word, and he was going to yield up his life to God and give his entire future to him. And I thought, way to go. Good for you, because now you've got yourself placed in the hands of a father that's never going to let you down and never fail you. And if you haven't noticed already, I'm quite an emotional guy, too, and that might come out before the end of the service. God only knows. (laughs) Amen. Hey. We're catching on. <laughs> so I want to ask a few questions before we get started this morning, because it's a good idea to get your minds focused 
on, on Christ and God and the things that we're here about. So just a few questions, and, and the first few are for those that are saved this morning. So I don't know everyone here whether you're saved or not, but these questions, just they're rhetorical, so don't, you can say amen, but don't, don't answer the question because then your neighbor's going to know what you're all about. <laughs> so if you're here this morning and you're saved by God's grace, have you ever thought about why did God save you? Why did God save you? Was it so that your sins would be forgiven? So that you could live eternally with him in glory? If you're saved, are you any different from the guy down the street or the person you work with? If you're saved, how would people describe you? What type of words would they use to describe what you're like if they were describing you to someone else? So that's just a few things to get us thinking this morning. So as I mentioned, it was really no surprise when Brian asked me to to speak this morning because of all that you have done for us. What was more surprising was what he suggested I speak about. And I I think I even quoted that here. Yeah, I wrote this down because I said, Brian, in your words, in your own words, what would you like me to talk about? This is taped, isn't it? Okay, I'll be careful what I say here. Boat, Brian. He he wrote me a little text. He said, hey, Don, the theme for that Sunday is being an outward-focused church. I was thinking how we as Christians have been placed in our context to share the love of God with people. End of quote. That was what Brian suggested I speak on. The reason that that really struck me so difficult, so hard, so God-sent, if you want to call it that, was because I was wondering, how did Brian know that this area, being an outward-focused church, was something that I personally, and the church I've attended for years, is something that we struggled with deeply. How did he know that? I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, so for years, and I hope I'm not embarrassing anyone from Tivern Baptist, but I, I was there. For years, we at Tivern Baptist, we sat in our pews and we prayed. We earnestly prayed that God would move. We still do. That God would move and bring people in. But they never came. Could God have filled the church if he wanted? Of course he could. Did he not hear our prayers? Of course God hears your prayers. But I think God wanted us to enjoy the blessing of growth. I think if he would have just filled the church, it would have robbed us of some personal spiritual growth. So I don't know if if you are going to get a whole lot out of this message this morning, because I've learned in the past that normally the guy that prepares the message, usually it's for him that the message is all about. So I'm, I've got a lot out of this already in preparation. But I really hope that as I share a bit of God's word and a bit of my story, that you'll be challenged and encouraged to continue being that outward-focused church. I mean, you're already inviting us in for different events. We were actually supposed to have a big ball thing a few weeks ago, but the weather changed that. You've invited us for numerous things. You've got people serving in Haiti and all around So I think you people are already there. You already got that outward focus thing figured out, and you've made it a priority here. So good for you. Keep up that good work. So that's it. But if I was going to give a sermon on being an outward focused church, I'm not going to, but if I was going (laughs) to, the place that you would have to look would be uh, the the Great Commission in Matthew 28. So in, in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20 is the Great Commission. You've all heard it before. But you could take just one word of that and figure out that we need to be an outward-focused church. It reads in verse 19 and 20, it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's everybody. They're all there. That's the Trinity. And what are you supposed to do? Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I mentioned that we weren't very good at being outward focused. So I had all the excuses. Maybe some of them will hit home with you. But quite often I'd talk to God and I'd say, but God, I'm comfortable sitting on these hard wooden pews. I see you got cushions. (laughs) I'm comfortable sitting on these hard wooden pews surrounded by thick, two foot thick stone walls. But God says, go. But God, I don't know what to say to people. God says, go. But I don't want to go alone, God. He says, I'll be with you. But what will I teach them? All that I have commanded you. All that you've commanded. But God, that's a lot of commandments. God says, go. But for how long? Until the end of the age. That's a long time. (laughs) But I believe that God, being God, wants to give us the joy and the blessing of allowing us allowing us to take a small part in his great work of bringing in his kingdom. He wants us to get out of our pews, out of our boat, step out of our comfort zone, and start trusting and believing in his word, and go. So because I think your church is already there, I'm not going to focus any more on the outward going, but I'm going to focus a little more on the other part that Brian shared about how we've been uniquely placed in some area to share God's love with others. So that's what I'm going to focus a little more on this morning. You know, if Brian wasn't here, he's not here, we could probably talk about whatever we wanted, but since he suggested, we'll go with that. So the text that we're going to bring up for looking at this morning is John 15, uh, verse 1 to 17. And if you could open your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen, or if you prefer your phone, whatever you want, that's, that's okay. Just however you want to get there, but I'll encourage you to follow along. But before I do, let's add God's blessing on his word. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, uh, it is a privilege to be here sharing your word this morning. Uh, Lord, uh, your word says that it will not return to you void. And I pray that that would be the case this morning. Lord, that you would uh, take away the distractions of the day. So many things can get in our mind and beset us on the wrong track. But today, Lord, this hour... We ask that you would clear that out and help us to focus our attention on you. Uh, Lord, we would ask that you would be pleased to pour out your presence here in a very powerful way. Lord, I ask that you would encourage people and change each one of us, Lord. Make us better people, better disciples and servants of you. Uh, Lord, and if there's one here this morning who doesn't know you, I pray that today they would know and understand the love that you have for them. Lord, I ask this in your name, giving thanks. Giving thanks. This is where you say, Amen. All right, I just give me a chance to try it. Giving thanks. All right, it's getting better. Now I'm going to speak, so I need those amens. So I'm going to read then from uh, John 15. Yeah, John 15, verses 1 to 17. And it's a fairly lengthy portion, but we're here to study God's word after all. So I'm going to read that through. Follow along if you would. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine... And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Ouch. Oh, it doesn't say that. 
uh, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like the branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Double ouch. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friend, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The Lord bless the reading of his word. I want to just set the context a little bit uh, for what we just read. It's very important to know the context of what you're reading. In fact, I just did some little studying there, and, and this really hit me hard. It, it's, um, when you're reading the epistles, it's a letter. The, the epistles are letters. And if, if I was to send you a nice long letter, would you just pick out little portions and read this and that and think you knew what the letter was all about? So it's the same thing with God's Word. If you're going to read an epistle, you almost got to read the whole thing to get what the whole intent of that was. So that's just a little challenge there for you when you're in your daily reading. But to set the context here, just before we read this, Jesus has already made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He's told his disciples that the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's also demonstrated servanthood by washing the disciples' feet. I'm sure all these stories are ringing a bell in your head as I'm saying them. He even pointed out the one who would betray him. Then in John 13, Jesus gives a new commandment. In Matthew, when I read that, we were told to go and teach new disciples all that I command you. So if we're going to do that, it would probably be a good idea if we knew what these commandments were. Well, the Old Testament, if you recall, is full of uh, commandments. They were there to help guide the uh, Israelites in their covenant relationship with God. They were God's chosen people, and they were given those commandments to live in that form. But here in John 13, 
just before our text in John 13, 33 to 35. Imagine Jesus, he's, he's already told him he's going to the cross, trying to teach him as much as he can before he goes off to heaven. And the disciples, they're all sitting around, they're listening intently. And he sets the tone with verse 33. He says, little children. And I think that's sweet. That's wonderful. Little children, yet a little while I'll be with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so I now say also to you. Where I'm going, you cannot go. And here it is, the new commandment. They should be leaning in and listening at this point. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That you love one another just as I have loved you. That's the key. But then Peter, if you can get the story here, they're all listening. And then Peter, being Peter, you got to love Peter. That's just the way he is. He goes, all this new commandment stuff. But all he heard was, I'm not going to, he goes, where are you going? Jesus, where are you going? He didn't even hear the new commandment, it seems like. But let's not be too hard on Peter. Sometimes when we're listening to a text or reading God's word, We maybe only pick out the things that apply to us at that moment in that time. So don't be too hard on Peter. But uh, just before we get to today's text then, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to come and live with those who believe in him. And that's found in John 14, verse 15 to 17. And it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you. So if we're going to go, there's that word again, and be that outward focused church, wouldn't it be nice if we had a helper? Wouldn't it be nice if we had God's helper? There's an amen moment there even. But notice it says if. There's that point. Sometimes we read God's word and we want it to say what we think it should say. But it very clearly says, if you love me and keep my commandments, I will ask the Father and he'll send the helper. It's if. It sounds pretty conditional to me. So what are these commandments we keep talking about over and over? Well, you don't have to turn there. But remember back in Matthew, some of the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus. And and they asked him right out. They said, Jesus, which are the greatest commandments? And Jesus answered and he said this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. So in Jesus' own words, his own words, he said these are the two greatest commandments. They're not the exhaustive list that the Israelites had to follow, washing the meat this way and whatever, all the commandments they had. It was just these. So you may be asking yourself this morning in the Daily Bread, I don't know who reads the Daily Bread, but it talked about the Ten Commandments this morning. So you might be wondering, well, what about the Ten Commandments? They seem pretty important in the Bible. Shouldn't we follow those? Well, Romans 13 verse 9 deals with that. It says, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any of the other commandments are summed up in this word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. That's awesome. I don't need to remember all the commandments. That kind of hits it right there. 
And to further back that up, Galatians 5.14 says this, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. It's kind of uh, ironic that my neighbor introduced me this morning. (laughs) God knows best. So here it is. If we can get just these two commandments right, just two, we can satisfy the intent of all the Old Testament commandments. Just two. Can you imagine? It's getting simpler as we go. Now, the order of these commandments, the two great commandments, is kind of important, too. Jesus never taught that in order to satisfy him and demonstrate your love, you had to love your neighbor first. He said the first and most important was to love me first uh, with all your being. So it's not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon God loving us first. Scripture makes it clear that love, that this love, God's love towards us, is only possible because God loved us first. And a verse that has been in my head for years, it uh, caused me great distress for a long time. It's Romans 5, verse 8. And you don't have to turn there again. You probably know it off by heart. It says, But God demonstrated His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you think about that, that's love. That's grace. That's God giving himself for us. You see, I was a sinner and I deserved punishment. If I was justly judged by God, the just God, I would have got punishment, eternal separation from him. But instead, I get God's love. He shows me first that he loved me. And I think that's the only way I can love anybody else. See, a loving commitment from God, initiated by God, results in the ability and the desire for me to love my neighbor. I can't do that on my own. I need God loves first. A few years ago, I suddenly found myself in a a leadership position in our church. It happened quite suddenly. (laughs) And uh, I remember wrestling with God often. I'd say, God, why me? Why did you choose me? I don't know how to be a leader. I've never led. I'm a follower. I don't know why you chose me. And I would wrestle with God. How do I do this? And these verses that we've been looking at this morning kept coming to me over and over and over. I'd open up my Bible for reading, and there it was. Love your neighbor. I'd watch a video message or something, and it was all about loving God with all your being and loving your neighbor and loving one another. I kept saying, God, but I need you to show me how to be a leader. And over and over again... Love one another. Love your neighbor. I couldn't shake it. One of my other ministries at the church that I somehow got into is uh, cutting the lawn. And you might think, well, that's a pretty menial task. Surely there's someone else who can do that. But I rather enjoy it because it gives me a, a great opportunity to think. And most times I think, well, I can fill my head full of, you know, sailboat thoughts. And where am I going to go on vacation? And You know, when the lawnmower's going, people can't interrupt you. You're just there, and you can think. So away I go. I'm cutting the lawn, and I want to think. But I remember this one particular Saturday mowing the lawn, and I'm trying to get some of my best thinking done, but God's getting in my head, and I'm going back and forth, and and where am I going to go on vacation? Love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawnmower's running away. Love your neighbor as yourself, and love, love one another. And I'm turning, and I'm going, and... And I'm trying to think about other things, and it's getting annoying, and I'm going back and forth. And suddenly I cried out to God, God, who is my neighbor then? And it hit me. 
Here's that emotional part coming. <laughs> I stood there for I don't know how long. The lawnmower still running, vibrating in my hands. It suddenly hit me like never before. You see, uh, the guy that lives right next door to the church, I've known him for more than 25 years. When I first moved to Tiverton, he was actually my fire chief. So we had that relationship. It's not as if it was just a hi, how you doing guy on the street. I knew him very well. But have I ever shown him God's love? Was I ever there showing him how God loved him? Where was I when his wife died early in life? Was I there showing God's love? He lived right next door to the church. But has he ever experienced God's love through one of his disciples? Does he even know that for years we sat in the basement of our church, a small group of us, and prayed for him by name? Did he ever know that? I got to take a side note because that's getting way too serious. But this is too. Just hang on to that thought. Lean in now if if you want to hear something this morning. If you want to take something away this morning, this is what I'll challenge you with today. Have you ever, you know, when you become a Christian, quite often people will come up to you and and they'll want to tell you their story. They want to, you know, they'll they'll tell you I'm, I'm going through this rough time or this happened to my children or they'll tell you things. And your natural response is to say, I'll pray for you. I will pray for you. But how many of you have ever gone home and really prayed for that person? And and I'm in this as guilty. God is really challenging me with this. Have I ever gone home and really prayed for that person the way I should? Not very often. So God has been really challenging me. The book of James will say that you should uh, show your love in actions, not just in word and speech. Show it in actions. So God's been really challenging me in that moment Right then, when someone says, this is going on, that's going on, rather than me say I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to pray for them right then, right there, right in that moment. And I want to challenge you to do the same. Because if you don't, if you don't do that, you are robbing that person of an opportunity to meet God. That's a pretty bold statement I just came out with there. But I'm going to show it to you right now. In God's word, it says, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. You're one, the other person is two. There's the two already, you got it, okay? There's two, and where uh, where one or two are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Now all you do, all you got to do is say, Father, in your name, I pray for this person. You're right then and there inviting God to come into that conversation And that person will experience God's presence right then and there. Much more than if you say, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then go home and never do it again. So if you take nothing else away from here this morning, other than me gibbering on away, take that home. When someone gives you an opportunity, don't miss an opportunity to introduce them to the God that you might love and serve. I know it takes courage, it takes boldness, but just do it. Just do it. Just try it once. If you believe God's word, you need to believe all of God's word. He says he'll be with you. He'll be with you. So just uh, take that home. So I got to get back. Where was I here? Bear with me. Yeah, I was talking about my neighbor there, wasn't I? Right next to the church. Now, I'd love to tell you the rest of the story, what God prompted me to do next. 
in regards to loving that neighbor. There's an awesome story there. But a few weeks ago, I, I watched a message and it reminded me that nobody needs to hear your story as great as you are or you think you are. People need to hear God's story. That's what changes lives and that's what changes hearts. So don't delay on your story. Get into God's story. But I will tell you this, at that moment, that day, cutting the lawn, lawnmower still running, God spoke to me loud and clear, and he showed me who my neighbor was. I now look at the outside world of that church, outside the stone walls and outside the pew, in a totally different way. You see, Christ didn't just die for me. He died for everyone. How can I keep that to myself so selfishly? Yeah, God changed me. He died for all sinners, and as Paul would say, I'm the chief. Yeah. All I had to do was take my eyes off myself, my little insignificant problems. So your pastor left. Now you're going to have to lead the church. That's, little, that's insignificant. God said he'd be with me all through that. You see, um, I just had to take my eyes off myself and ask God expectantly. God, show me who my neighbor is. And if you're having trouble seeing your neighbor, I would encourage you to do that. So I read some text this morning. We should get back to it. In verse 12 of the text that we read today, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, the place to start is to understand the depths of love that Christ has for us. It says, as I have loved you. And that's huge. Philippians 2 verse 6 will say this. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. See, Jesus was in glory in heaven. He had everything he needed. He didn't need us. He didn't need to leave glory and come. Well, he did need to, but... Wouldn't you think he'd be more comfortable up there? Yet he chose the equality with God, the creator of the universe, as Jamie so well put this morning. The creator of the universe and all things, he was equal with God. He was God. Yet he chose not to grasp that. He chose to leave that for me. We need to understand that depths of that love. And as I already said in Romans, God demonstrated that by sending his son Not because we deserved it, but we were sinners at the time. I think if we truly understand the depths of the love that God has showed us by giving us his son to die for us, we can be moved with compassion to love those who he loves, the ones he died for, because we want to please and honor him. As I said earlier, Christ didn't just die for me. He died for everyone. We've got his example of that perfect love. He died not only for me, but for my neighbor too. So it starts with God. He gets all the glory. We can't take anything for ourselves. We deserve nothing. What do you think about the first Corinthians? They call that the love chapter. You know, when you go to weddings, you ever been to a wedding? They they have that love chapter thing there. The love is patient, love is kind and all that stuff. And, And in that context of the wedding, yeah, it works because... It's a perfect setting, and the bride and the groom are looking at each other and all giddy and everything, and, and love is patient, love is, and it's so good. But what if we took that same verse, that context about love, and applied it to our neighbor? How would that work? Love is patient, love is kind. 
Yeah, but he blew all his snow onto my driveway. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. You're driving down the road. Hey, that guy just cut me off. Why did he do that? I'll get him. Love is patient. Love is kind. You see where I'm going with this? Love your neighbor. And then we go to verse 5. It reminds us that we can do nothing of any eternal good without Christ. But when we abide in him, he can produce much fruit and thereby glorifying the Father. The other good news is that this is not a bothersome task. In fact, it actually says it will produce joy. It says that your joy may be full. And I would add to overflowing. Have you ever met anybody like that? They're just so full of joy. They're overflowing with joy. It's almost, I was going to say sickening, but no, it's really good. Um, (laughs) But you know the type of person I'm talking about? Where do you think they get that joy? Does that muster up inside them? I don't think so. And is that how people would describe me if I had that type of joy? If they were telling someone else about me, would they say, he's a joyous fellow. He's always full of joy. Is that how they would describe me? I guess I have some more work to do. In the next few verses, in verse 13 and 14, something truly amazing happens here. I think it's awesome. We go from being enemies of God. We were separated eternally from God through sin and Adam. But we go from being enemies of God to servants But not only servants, he didn't leave us there. He took us from servanthood to friendship. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my goodness. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Friends of God. See, if I had to suffer for someone, someone else, if I had to suffer, would I ever be able to call them a friend again? I, I don't think so. But here Jesus, the creator of the universe, the one who had to die to satisfy the judgment on me, has forgiven me to the extent that he now calls me friend. See, very few people in the Bible in God's word were called friend. We got, you know, Abraham and Moses, a few of the big hitters there. God called them friend, but very few people. But now, here in his word, Christ is extending that privilege of friendship to us. If we are obedient believers. Jesus calls us friend, it says, because he has made known to us what he's doing. I think since Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden, God put forth his plan of reconciliation. His plan of pursuing us back to himself to put everything right the way it was intended in the first place. And he's put it all for us. It says that that we have it all. Where do we have it all? Right here in his word. It's all there. If that fly is going to go. He's given it. Okay, I almost shut my Bible on him. That's not right. So it's all in God's word, right there. Everything we need. The God's word is God's love story for us, pursuing us the whole time. Try reading some of it with that thought in mind. And you'll maybe read it in a whole new light, in a different way. God never stopped pursuing us all through the Old Testament and into the New. And if there's ever any doubt why God has saved you, here it is in verse 16 of our text. It says, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I've appointed you that you should go, there's that word again, go, that you should go and you should bear fruit. So what's next? 
what do we do with all this that we learned this morning? This has been maybe quite a, a revelation for some. I don't know. But God's word says to go and love one another. Find your neighbor. If you're having trouble finding them, ask God to show you who they are. It may not just be the good fellow next door that introduces you. It could be someone else on the other side. Who knows? But ask God to show you who your neighbor is and how you can love them the way he has loved them. You see, he didn't just decide one day to give Jesus a try. He didn't wake up and say, I think I'll try Jesus today. See what that's all about. It says he chose you and he appointed you to bear fruit. So earlier on, if you're a believer this morning, I asked you, why did God save you? What is my purpose in life as a disciple of Christ? Am I any different from the guy down the street? How would people describe me? What words would they use when they were talking about me in public when I wasn't there? Jesus wants us to bear much fruit. He gave us everything we need, and it will actually bring us joy if we do it. Are you living for you, or are you living to glorify the Father by bearing fruit through Christ, by keeping his commandments, only two, they're simple, and sharing his love with others. God's word there says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in this love. Well, it could be that this morning you're here and uh, I've been talking a lot about believers and people that are saved. And uh, maybe you're just here as a seeker this morning. Maybe you're not here every Sunday. You don't know what this whole church thing is all about. You didn't sign up for discipleship. You're just coming to check it out to see what's going on. I don't know. I don't know everybody here. But we shouldn't uh, exclude you or leave you out. If you're here searching this morning, uh, praise God for that. Good for you. But is there something that you can take home then if you're not a disciple yet? Well, maybe today might have been the first day you've heard of the depth of God's love for you, how Jesus came and died for you. Uh, again, that verse that just kept me going Sunday after Sunday was Romans 5, 8, where it says, God demonstrated his love to you in while yet you were a sinner. I stood at the back of our church for years and heard that verse over and over, and it sank in deep and it would bring me to tears almost every Sunday when I thought, why has God, why has Christ done that for me? I didn't do anything to deserve that. And until it finally sunk in that, yeah, that's right, I didn't do anything. It's God's love. It's God's grace. And all I can do is accept it. And maybe that's the first time you've heard of that. I, I just challenge you to take that verse home, cut your lawn, and think deeply on that verse. Let it work and sink in and Talk back to God if you need to. Ask him to show you, Lord, why did you die for me? What have I done for you? And uh, take that to God and just ask him to show you through his word the love, the depths of the love that he has for each and every one of you. Amen. That's awesome because I turned a page and now it's blank. Let's just close in prayer. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning. Lord, we thank you for your dear son, Jesus Christ, who though he was with you in glory, did not see that something to be grasped or obtained or to hold on to. He left all that 
for our sakes, for my sin. Lord, I was deserving of your judgment, of your penalty. Yet, Lord, in this great exchange, I get your love. I get to be called a friend of God. How awesome that is. Uh, Lord, I just uh, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that we would each be challenged and renewed. And Lord, to go home and to find our neighbors and to find simple ways to just show your love. Lord, to follow these two simple commandments, to learn how to love you first. And Lord, in turn, that love that you've given to us, we will be able to share with the world around us. Lord, I ask that you would challenge us to go and be world changers. Lord, this world needs a change. It needs you. And Lord, it's not going to happen from us sitting inside our church, praying that you will bring people in. Lord, you clearly say in your word, go and make disciples. Lord, give us that boldness, that courage, the ability to just go and share your word with the world around us. Help us not to ever miss an opportunity when someone tells us about the bad day they're they're having. Lord, to put our hand on their shoulder and to pray for them. Lord, give us that courage and help us to bring you into that relationship, into that conversation, so that that person can know and experience your presence the way that we have already. Lord, thank you for all you've done here this morning. We give you all the honor and praise and glory in your name. Amen.